Welcome back. We're in Genesis chapter 47, verse 20. Let's go. Genesis 47, 20. We're talking about Joseph and Pharaoh are helping the people of Egypt. The people are bringing them all their money so that they can have bread. They're bringing them all their business assets, their livestock, so that they can have bread because there's this horrible famine going on. And Joseph is taking care of it. He had this dream uh, given to him by God that there was going to be this seven-year famine. So they started preparing for it. Uh, and uh, the Pharaoh put him in charge of the land. So here we go. Verse 20. Then Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh. For every man of the Egyptians sold his field, because the famine was severe upon them. So the land became Pharaoh's. Here the government was not just was not creating the problem, right? Think about this for a minute. <clears throat> a lot of people are going to try and apply this and read this into present-day events, let's say in the United States. They're like, well, see, the government back then was buying up all the land, controlling everything to help the people, and it made the people better. No, here's the big difference. <clears throat> Sorry, my voice is very weak this morning. The government in this situation was not creating the problem. They didn't create the famine. They were responding to it. Our government in the United States and many around the world create the problem so that they can control people, whatever that problem may be. They create things. They create illnesses. They create poverty. They create reliance. They make you think that you have to have them. And so they become this institution where everybody's like, I have to have you. But they actually created the problem for one sole purpose, to control you. So you see, the role of government is not to control. It's not to manipulate, nor base their rulings based on their feelings at the moment. No, the role of government is to provide reasonable restraints and consequences so that freedom can thrive. Do you get that? Without reasonable restraints, freedom is not possible. And with unreasonable restraints, freedom is also not possible. You'll see this. There's a Ivy League school. I think it's Harvard. <clears throat> they have a slogan. I think it's in Latin above one of their uh, big buildings. It's, and it says something similar to this, right? Freedom requires some restraints. And that's why we have government. And we have the uh, legislative branch and the judicial branch and the executive branch, right? Not so that they can control and manipulate and have power and make the people think that they have to have them, but so that we can have some system, so there's some consequences, so people can't just run around and rape and kill and steal and pillage and get away with it, because then you wouldn't have any freedom. So that's the one thing that really jumped out to me here, is that this uh, Joseph and Potiphar and Egypt are not creating this situation, they're simply responding to it. Verse 21, and as for the people, he moved them into the cities from one end of the borders of Egypt to the other end. So God will <clears throat> shake things up from time to time. He'll do things that you would not choose for yourself and that I would not choose for myself. But it's all part of his sovereign plan and testing. We can sit there and cry and say, oh, I can't believe that we're having to move around and we got to go to this different city or this different state. I can't believe we got this job. I got promoted, I got demoted, I got transferred, I got let go, right? Yeah, it's, it's going to be, could be a heartache on our family for some kind of financial cons, uh, event like that. But what God wants us to do, and I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I know the answer. God wants us to say, Lord, I trust you. Instead of saying, why me? 
why now, poor me, pity party me, everybody else is ahead except for me, everybody else gets what they want, I see that on Facebook, everybody's so happy all the time except for me, well that's not true, what you see on, you know, out there is the exterior, I know enough by leading a men's group that a lot of these, everybody you see an exterior on the outside, <coughs> sorry my voice just got really weak, you see the exterior on the outside, but on the inside, everybody's got some type of problem or problems. And when you get real with people and honest and you start digging in and you share with yourself with them, then they'll open up with you and you'll start to say, hey, I'm not alone in my hurt, right? A lot of people have some kind of dysfunction in their family, whether it's their immediate family or their extended family or their in-laws or you know, something. A lot of families suffer from addiction, someone in the family. Uh, from some kind of mental um, uh, dilemma or problem, some kind of financial problem, right? There's Everybody's got these things going on. So we don't want to just look at the Facebook exterior people and say, everybody's perfect except for me. Don't do that. And if you have that tendency, then stay off of Facebook, Twitter, any of those that make you think that everybody else's life is perfect and yours is not, right? Because I get that, and it's easy to look around and see that but don't do that. Don't let, don't let the enemy in like that. It's too easy of an end for that. Don't let him. Instead, <clears throat> have faith and trust God's plan for you. We want to grow where we're planted and, and enjoy the moments because it's about the journey. It's not about the, the end result, how much you've amassed, how popular you are, how wealthy you are, how much people idolize you and worship you. No, it's not about any of that. It's do you know Jesus do you have Jesus living inside of you? And if you do, you're born again, then you'll have eternal life. And all this life, the only thing you can take people with you is people and relationships, right? Those people who accept Christ will be in heaven with you. And those who don't, will not. It's very simple. Verse 22, <clears throat> only the land of the priests he did not buy. For the priests had rations. I'm going to take a sip. Hold on. Allotted to them by Pharaoh. <clears throat> and they ate their rations which Pharaoh gave them. Therefore, they did not sell their lands. So, these were Egyptian priests. These are not like the Jewish priests. Um, but Pharaoh had, had given them enough so that they um, did not sell their lands. Now, interestingly, we're going to talk about it, but uh, the Levites were, one, Levi was one of the sons of Jacob, Israel, one of the 12, 12 tribes of Israel. And they're the only ones who didn't own land because they didn't, that's not what God had for them. He had a different purpose for them. Uh, but interestingly, so right here, this is not uh, Israel, Jewish priests. This is Egyptian priests. Uh, so there were uh, priests for their gods, right? They had tons and tons and tons, countless gods uh, over in Egypt that many of them worshipped. You couldn't even count them. There were so many. Uh, very sad, but they're, st they're still taking care of their uh, Egyptian false priests. 23, then Joseph said to the people, Indeed, I have bought you and your land this day for Pharaoh. Look, here is seed for you, for you, and you shall sow the land. And it shall come to pass in the harvest that you shall give one-fifth to Pharaoh. Four-fifths shall be your own, as seed for the field and for your food, for those of your households and as food for your little ones. So <clears throat> he's saying, okay, if you remember, guys, this is a seven-year period. We're now almost at the end of the seven-year 
famine. So there's going to be uh, good harvest again. You're going to be able to grow things. The famine's coming to an end. And he's saying, here's the seed. Go and sow. Sow things for the future. And this is a big concept in the Bible, right, is sowing the seed. God calls us to go out just like a farmer and sow the seed. Oftentimes, you're not going to see immediate results, just like a farmer usually doesn't come out the next day and see the crops just fully grown and ready to be picked, right? It takes time. And unlike a farmer who generally gets to see their harvest grow and and harvest it and everything, maybe sometimes they don't. Maybe a life event and they get sick and then the hospital, they're incapacitated and they die and they don't get to see it. Well, for us, we won't get to see all the harvest from everything that we sow during our lifetime. We can go out and tell people about Jesus. We may never see that person again this side of heaven, but if they accepted Christ, we're going to get to celebrate with them in heaven, and God's going to share that God story. He's going to be like, you remember that time when you were at that convenience store, when you were at that you know business meeting, and you shared Christ with that person? Here's the guy, and, and I worked through you, and you trusted me, and you put your faith out there and you put your financial situation on the line by sharing the faith you put your social status on the line by sharing your faith and this guy right here todd this girl right here jamie whatever accepted christ and now she's up here with us right so a lot that we sow on this earth we won't see the results for or maybe if we see the results we won't see them for some time maybe days weeks months or or in many circumstances years or even decades where that person we've been sharing Christ with, a father, a mother, a brother, a sister, a daughter, a son, a cousin, a friend, a neighbor, etc., takes a long time before they finally come to Christ. And you're like, yes, yes, I knew it. Verse 25, so they said, you have saved our lives. Let us find favor in the sight of my Lord, and we will be Pharaoh's servants. And Joseph made it a law over the land of Egypt to this day that Pharaoh should have one-fifth, except for the land of the priests only, which did not become Pharaoh's. So <clears throat> they're collecting one-fifth. It's like a tax, right? 20%. Well, they already gave all their money. They already gave all their business assets. They gave all their land. And now he's in return, after he's given them bread and provided for them, going to kind of tax them and allow them to, to be able to cultivate and sow so that they can have a harvest of harvest so that they can provide for, uh, have a living and provide for their families, etc. And remember, a lot of this is, it's not a perfect analogy. No analogy is perfect. But this is, we talked about it yesterday, giving your money to Jesus, giving, giving your assets to Jesus, giving your life to Jesus, right? He wants to have it all. He wants to have our hearts is really what he's after. Um, he, he doesn't need our money. Everybody's like, oh, Jesus needs my money. If only we had this rich person. If we only we had this famous person come to Christ. It would just change everything in America and the world. Man, it'd be so cool. Yeah, it, it might be cool, but you know what? God doesn't need that rich person. He doesn't need the money. He doesn't need the billionaire. He doesn't need the person with $100 billion in their bank account or someday a trillion dollars. He doesn't need that. And the church is usually growing the most not because of money or big buildings. If you look at the, where the church has grown the most, it's places like North Korea and China where you're having people who are risking everything, life, jail, job, family, status, everything to come to Jesus, and that's where it's growing, not because of money and not because of big buildings. If only we could get our priorities right in America um, to just worship Jesus and tell people. I think our best application today 
is to put it all on the line, that we should tell people about Jesus, that we should have that desire, that we would want to give Jesus our everything, our hearts, our money, our time, our devotion. Lord, help us to to want to give to you. Give us that desire with your Holy Spirit living inside of us. Help us not to hold tight to our money, to build financial walls of false security around us, to be afraid to tell our colleagues and neighbors and friends about you because we're afraid we may lose some social standing or some financial uh, job or anything. Lord, help us to think of you more highly than ourselves and be willing to risk it because you're the best gift we could ever possibly receive and you're the best gift that we could ever possibly give to someone, whether they receive that gift or not. Help us this day with this, Lord. Amen. This podcast brought to you in part by the Portfolio Protection Store, where smart investors go to protect their life savings from stock market losses. Visit our website to register for our webinar, theportfolioprotectionstore.com. The webinar is about portfolio protection and safe money ideas for ages 50 plus. Visit theportfolioprotectionstore.com. Located in Austin, Texas, license number 288-7886.